today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Come away with me, I'll protect you. You're safe with me. Come with me. Come away from the threats of the lions in, in the dens and the leopards on the mountains. Again, this speaks to practically the marriage relationship. Guys, this is the way God has wired, for lack of a better way of saying it, your wife. She has to have that protective covering over her. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Song of Songs. A knight in shining armor is a phrase we've all heard. His job, to rescue, to protect. So who's your knight? Continuing his message today, Pastor J.D. discusses the similarities between the marriage relationship and Jesus' desire for you to seek Him daily and wholeheartedly, to live for Him without restraint. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Song of Songs, chapter 4, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 4, your neck is like the Tower of David, built for an armory on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Wow, what a neck. That's one long neck, right? What? You're hanging shields on the thing? It's an armory? What in the world? Again, guys, I would not recommend saying this to your wives, surely. Okay, what's this about? Okay, see it like this. The neck is a symbol of the strength of character or the lack thereof. Stay with me on this. Okay, you know how we have in Scripture a reference to being stiff-necked? It's a symbol of stubbornness and obstinance. But this is a neck symbolic of the strength of character. Not arrogant, not obstinate. No, there's a strength of character. All right, verse 5, here we go. Your two breasts are like two fawns, (laughs) twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. Now, again, I want to be appropriate, but I don't want to shy away. Uh, This is the wedding night, and she is now undressing. And the groom is beholding her beauty, her sexuality, in all of its purity, as she's undressed before him. So, I don't know if you notice this or not, but one can count seven physical features in what we just read in these first five verses. What do we know to be true about the number seven? It's the number of completion. 
You know, I uh, early on in our marriage, my wife and I would, you know, you know how when you're first married, you're just the talk, you talk to each other so differently. Go back and watch some of that home video. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, we were so sappy. We had little pet names for each other. I don't know what yours were. I'm not going to tell you what ours were between my wife and I, but, you know, pumpkin, you know, cupcake, and, you know, all of those, you know, cute little words. And, well, that was then, and this is now. So, oh, did I strike a chord? I, so, I'm not talking about my marriage, of course. You know, I'm the pastor. We have a perfect marriage, so... No, it's kind of interesting, but when that, that, that new, fresh love. And this is what is happening here. We would say to each other, you complete me. And that's true. You complete me. That's what he's saying here. You are a symbol of perfection and completion. And so there's this description of her perfect beauty, physically and figuratively. And it's very poetic. It's very majestic. Verse 6, until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh, and to the hill of frankincense. You were all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. Again, we're going to talk about that more in a moment, but it carries with it this idea of purity without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. Verse 8, come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. Oh, first mention of being now his spouse, with me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Ammona, from the top of Senir and Hermon, from the lion's dens, from the mountains of the leopards. In other words, come away with me, I'll protect you. You're safe with me, come with me, come away from the threats of the lions in, in the dens and the leopards on the mountains. Again, this speaks to practically the marriage relationship. Guys, this is the way God has wired, for lack of a better way of saying it, your wife. She has to have that protective covering over her. You are her protection. You are her covering. She needs to feel safe and secure under your protective covering as her husband. Verse 9, you have ravished my heart. I like that word ravished. You'll forgive me for liking that word ravished. You're ravishing. And then he says this, and don't get too hung up on this. He says, my sister, my spouse. This was a cultural thing in that day but it also kind of has this thought of, you're my sister spiritually, my spouse maritally. You know, guys, before marriage, you know, you're looking at that woman, and you have to understand that she's your sister in Christ. 
And you know what that means, right? That's a daughter of God. You both have the same heavenly father. That's his daughter. I'm a father. I have a daughter. Be very, very careful. <laughs> yeah. Never forget when my daughter was young, and this is when, before we were homeschooling her, and she comes home from school one day, and she's just crying, crying. What happened? Oh, this boy. Really? Uh, was so mean to me. What is his name? <laughs> and I'm an earthly fallen father. How much more so our Heavenly Father, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes. Oh, isn't that interesting? This is so true. Man, I mean, you know how it is, guys? When she just looks at you with that look, I'm putty in your hands. You have ravished me. You have melted me. You have captured me. And here's the thing, wives, I think you know this. That's the problem. You know that look. You know how to give us that look. And you know when you do, that's it. Anything up to half of my kingdom, just with one look, just that one look. And it goes both ways too. There's the other look too. You know what I'm talking about, right? As only a wife can, man, she'll look at you in that way and it's like, oh dear, Uh uh-oh, oh my, what did I do now? And by the way, just a little side note parenthetically, wives, you really have to understand that we don't get it. You think we get it, but we don't. And by the way, we cannot read your minds. I don't know where you read that or heard that. It's not true. And I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the line, it's like the wife says, well, if I have to tell you, then it, forget about it. It, it doesn't mean as much now because I had to tell you. No, it doesn't work like that. We need to be told in very simple terms. Spell it out for us, okay? because we don't know. That's why when you give us that look, we give you our look like, right? (laughs) Okay, well, I think you get the point. He says, with one link of your necklace, how fair is your love, verse 10, my sister, my spouse. How much better than wine is your love? and the scent of your perfumes than all spices. Your lips, O my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden, verse 12, enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Do you see the imagery here? This is speaking to her virginity. A fountain sealed for that time, that one when the fountain is opened. 
and to Him and to Him alone. A spring shut up until that time for that one, and then it's His. I give you my virginity. And he's acknowledging that ever so poetically. Your plants, verse 13, are an orchard of pomegranates. Here's the pomegranates again. I don't know why, but with pleasant fruits, fragrant henna, with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, verse 14, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. Wow. Is it getting a little bit warm in here? We'll have to turn the AC up. I mean, what a beautiful picture of a groom on his wedding night, just appreciating the beauty and the purity of his bride. I don't know, and I know we've talked about it, and maybe this isn't the, the time to go too far into it, but again, I think this speaks to how perverted our sexuality has become. How far removed. And, and please don't think for a second that God is unable to restore that garden that perhaps was opened, if you will, before it should have been. The one thing about gardens, and I think that it's the chief reason that we have this picture here of a garden, gardens grow back. Gardens can be trampled on, violated if you prefer, but God can restore that garden to its original beauty and its original purity. Think about the Garden of Eden. And the thing about gardens, and I, we, we can appreciate this here in Hawaii, you know, actually of all the senses, touch, hearing, taste, smell, smell is the most powerful because it goes right to a particular part of the brain that triggers memories. That's why it is that you can smell a certain fragrance, and I mean it instantly takes you back. That's because of the part of the brain that the sense of smell activates. Now, here's why I mention that. You have a garden with the winds blowing, the trade winds, and it's blowing all of those fragrances, the plumerias, the ginger, the tuberose. I love tuberose, by the way. On our honeymoon, we were, of course, on the mainland. This is many years ago. My mother-in-law got us tuberose for our honeymoon. And I, got to, I had never smelled tuberose before. And it, the fragrance of those tuberose just filled up our hotel room. 
And to this day, whenever I get a tuberose lay, it takes me back. Just the smell, the fragrance of that tuberose. This is what he's saying here. Your garden, oh my love, is so fragrant, so captivating, so, dare I say, intoxicating. And then verse 16, the last verse, is the only time in this chapter that she speaks, and this is her response. She says, Awake, O north wind, and come. O south, blow upon my garden, that its spices may flow out. Let my beloved come to his garden, and eat its pleasant fruits. So you have the garden of virginity and purity, saved for, closed until that time for that one, and then come. My garden, the spices flow out, and this is where they become one, because now her garden becomes his. The two become one. And this again has application to, and I don't want to get too far into this, because of the time. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. (laughs) But wives, you need look no further than to what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about your body belonging to him. Your garden is not your garden anymore. It goes both ways too, guys. Your body belongs to her now. So some of you wives are looking at your husbands like my wife looks at me and goes, that's my body, take better care of it. That's another topic for another time. (laughs) But now her body belongs to him. His body belongs to her. They are no longer two. The two have become one flesh. It's a union, a common union, communion. The Apostle Paul, speaking of the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian church in his second epistle, chapter 11, verse 2, said this, listen, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to Him. Though your sins be as scarlet, He will make them white as snow. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness. And the way He sees us now is as a pure virgin bride. Now I wanted to refer to 2 Corinthians 11 too, because what Paul says here is what 
is throughout Scripture, replete in Scripture, talking about how that we are the bride of Christ. And I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of this, the implications of this, by virtue of the typology in this. But this is huge. And I know for guys, it's kind of like, you know, really, we're the bride? You know, for the women, this is wonderful. Oh, we're the bride of Christ. For guys, it's kind of like, oh, no, we're the bride. I know that's kind of a, a hard thing to really understand, but when you understand it from the perspective of the marriage relationship, understand that our relationships, the family relationship, the marriage relationship is a microcosm of what heaven's going to be like. Our heavenly Father. Well, there's no marriage in heaven. Yes, there is. It's our marriage to the Lamb. We're His bride by His side. We're the bride of Christ. And we're children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. Here's a way to think about it. I hope this isn't jam your gears or crash your hard drive. But we're siblings in Christ. Siblings in Christ. It's a microcosm, the, which by the way is the reason why it is that Satan seeks to destroy the family because of what the family represents. And he particularly hates the Christian marriage because of what the Christian marriage represents. It's a microcosm of our marriage to Jesus Christ as our bridegroom. So I want to talk, if you don't mind, I want to kind of turn this corner and talk about the implications of what it really means to be the bride of Christ. Because see, if we're the bride of Christ, that changes the whole complexion of everything we see in Scripture, particularly those words uttered from the mouth of the Savior Himself. It's a game changer in the sense that when you understand that Jesus, when He was talking to the disciples, was talking as a bridegroom to His bride, when He came the first time, that was the betrothal, the engagement. The marriage is coming. Well, when's the wedding? No man knows the day or the hour. Kind of makes it really difficult with wedding invitations. When's the wedding? Don't know. Day? Don't know. Hour? Don't know. Just be ready. <laughs> okay. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor JD's additional teachings, as well as his Mideast prophecy updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor JD's ABCs of salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is inspiritandtruthradio.com. And specifically from today's message, Song of Songs is a book that many tend to shy away from. But when you read it through the right lens, it's a beautiful love story. God created love as something pure and something to be enjoyed. Relationships are gifts from God. As we continue to study Song of Songs with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to view relationships in a new way. And not just earthly relationships, but your relationship with Jesus. The Bible is full of beautiful stories that can be applied to your life, so keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word, right here on In Spirit and Truth.